Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good, it's great to see you. What an honor to be here. Like family. You're very kind, very kind. Come on, wait before you sit down, before you sit down. Now let's give Jesus our best. Lord, we're here for you today. You're the one we're here for, nobody else, nobody else. Hey, just stand on your feet. We're going to read scripture and then we're going to jump in. But um, it's great to be here with you today. I, um, I just consider this home. Um, you know, I, I, it's been a, a bit since I've been able to be back. Actually, this is the first time I've preached in this building. I've preached for this church many times, but the first time I've gotten to see uh, this building. And let me just say, look what the Lord has done. Isn't it amazing what God's done through you guys? So honored to see this and be a part. Um, you, you have some of the most incredible pastors in the world. Um, you really do. You say, well, how do you know that? I said, because I get to travel a lot and I get to meet a lot of pastors. And, um, and, and I can tell you this, um, you know they're brilliant, you know they're capable, you know their, their, their passion for Jesus. Um, I know them personally, and here's what I want you to know. For the last 15 years, they've given you their absolute best. Yeah. Their absolute best. They have never shrunk back. They've never thought of themselves first. Um, they have been selfless, committed, consistent, and, um, and that's through a lot. And so um, I just honor both of you. I'm so grateful for both of you. Um, I'm grateful for our friendship. I'm grateful that, uh, that I get to be here today with you. It's an honor. Um, turn your Bible to 1 Samuel 28. Um, my family uh, has grown since the last time I was here. I think they got a picture. I want you to see them. Here, here they are. Um, so that's, you'll count one, two, three, four, but in that picture, there's a fifth uh, that is here now, but wasn't there then. Um, uh, her name's Caroline. She's actually going to be here at the second service, but um, so we have five kids. And so you're, you're saying, wow, you, you must really love kids. And I would say, no, I really love my wife. Uh, and that's why we have all these kids. Um, but but it, it is interesting to, to have them home during the summer. Um, you know, I'm a pastor, but first I'm an Uber driver. Uh, before all other things, I am here to run these kids everywhere they're supposed to be run. And um, this summer's been especially challenging trying to get them everywhere they need to be. Um, so one of my favorite things to do with them to just activities this summer is to to go to the movies anybody here like going to the movies anybody anybody like you guys like going to the movies let, let me just see what kind of crowd I'm working with how many of you like um you like action movies let me let me see how how many action okay we got some action people here this morning how many of you like um like romantic comedies like oh okay a few of you sir that disturbs me no okay no um okay how many of you um how many of you, you can be honest, it's church, I, I, we're, not, we're not looking, uh, how many of you like, like scary movies, like everybody like a good scare, anybody? I can't stand scary stuff, like I don't even like Casper the Friendly Ghost. Um, one time we were at Disney World and Sawyer and I rode the Haunted Mansion, which is this trek through a little cartoon kind of haunted thing. This is something like little five-year-old kids are laughing and having a good time. We come around every corner, and I'm binding the devil, pleading the blood, casting things out. I, I, there's just something in me that feels like if something has died, it should remain dead. Okay? Today, I want to talk to you about being haunted by hurt. Um, and I want to read you what may be one of the most odd passages in all of Scripture, and then I'll let you sit down. First Samuel chapter 28, verse 5. When Saul, who was a king, saw the Philistine army, he was afraid. Terror filled his heart. He inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him by dream or urim, uh, which was a, a kind of a mechanism for hearing the Lord, or prophets. Saul then said to his attendants, find me a woman who is a medium, so I may go and inquire of her. There's one in indoor, they said. So Saul disguised himself, putting on cl other clothes. And at night, he and two men went to this woman, and he said, I need you to consult a spirit for me, and I need you to bring me one that I name. But the woman said, surely you know King Saul, what he has done. He's cut off all the mediums and spiritualists from the land. 
Why have you set a trap for my life to bring me death? But Saul swore to her, uh, or swore to her by the Lord, as surely as the Lord lives, you will not be punished for this. Then the woman asked, whom shall I bring up for you? I want you to bring up the prophet Samuel, he said. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried to the top of her voice and said, Saul, why have you deceived me? You are Saul, the king. And the king said to her, don't be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said, I see a ghostly figure coming up out of the earth. What does he look like? The king asked. An old man wearing a robe is coming up. Then Saul knew it was the prophet Samuel. Um, Turn to your neighbor and say, I ain't afraid of no ghost. I want us to open, um, open with prayer because what I'm about to share with you is not for your neighbor, it's for your heart. But the Holy Spirit's a gentleman and he never barges into our souls, he has to be invited. And so I want you to invite the Holy Spirit to work in your heart today and not just in this room. So would you bow your heads, Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for an incredible opportunity. I bless this house. Father, thank you that your word is able to access places we don't even know exist, and I'm asking you to do that now. Father, thank you that there's been some people praying. I can sense it in this room, some people who've been praying over this weekend. And Father, I thank you that your promises are yes and amen, and that we can't encounter you and your word and leave the same. So may every heart be open, may every mind be renewed, and more than anything else, Lord Jesus, may your healing work take place today. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, and everybody says? All right, grab your seat. Um, Some passages of scripture are encouraging, some are challenging, and then if we're honest, every once in a while you come across a passage that's just plain weird. Um, this scene looks more like something out of Stranger Things than it looks like it's in Scripture. Um, It's interesting, uh, and immediately when you read it, you start asking yourself, what would cause a God-appointed king to go to such an ungodly course of action? What would make someone so desperate that they would be willing to go to a witch and conjure up a ghost? What would be so... Uh, what, what could be so uh, stirring in someone that they would go down such a dark path knowing they shouldn't? Um, what would cause someone to go to these lengths? The word that you're looking for to bring explanation to those questions is a word that affects all of our lives. It's the word rejection. Um, you see, Saul, who was the king, uh, was made king by a mentor named Samuel, a prophet. And for years, Saul and Samuel led the nation of Israel hand in hand, back to back, teaming up um, on this, one king and priest together. And, um, and, and it served the nation well, and, and Samuel's mature voice shaped Saul's young heart and made him into the king that he is at this moment. But in 1 Samuel chapter 15, um, Saul's continued disobedience to God's will finally reached a watershed point for, Saul, uh, for Samuel, and one day Samuel comes to Saul in front of his whole army, and he rebukes him publicly for what um, he has done. Not only does he rebuke him, but he lets his emotions get in it, and he takes it a step further, and he humiliates him in front of the entire leaders of the nation to the point to where he says, um, Saul, no longer is God even with you. He's ripped your influence in half, and you no longer are worthy to lead these people. Samuel leaves that day and never has anything to do with Saul again, but even though Samuel was a godly leader, godly leaders can still say things that leave internal wounds. And he left an internal wound in Saul on that day that was never able to quite heal. You see, even though Samuel had died, his words were still living as a mark on Saul's heart. Now, here's the reality. There's not a person in this room that's not experienced the wounding of rejection before. For some of you, it happened as a child when a coach told you you you, you didn't have what it takes, when a teacher said you'll never amount to anything, when a parent continually lashed out at you. 
For some of you, it happened in the context of a romantic relationship, someone that you had given your heart to, betrayed you, and ended up going in a different direction, and, and for it could have been a divorce or a brutal breakup, but the reality is you were rejected. For some of you, it didn't happen in a cataclysmic event. It happens day by day as you go to a job to where you're not celebrated, you're not appreciated, you're continually cr critiqued, you're giving your all, yet you're never noticed for what you give. And, and, and the reality is that it's left like paper cuts, wound after wound after wound on your soul, it's left you rejected. You see, the question is not, have you been rejected? Here's the question. Um, are you still haunted by your rejection or have you laid it to rest? That's really what it, we're trying to figure out because at this moment, Saul, Samuel it has died, but yet his words still are haunting Saul. And, and, and often we don't make those connections when it comes to our emotions. The way that we feel today, we don't realize that it has something to do that happened years ago. But you can always find symptoms of rejection in our lives. You can see it in Saul's life. For example, if you're wounded by rejection like Saul, you're going to be insecure. You're going to think, when I walk in every room, what do people think about me? You're going to take a thousand pictures till you pick the one you post. You're going to look in the mirror and not like what you see, and sometimes you're going to cover it with arrogance, and sometimes you're going to cover it with self-hate, but you're going to be crippled by insecurity just like Saul. You're also, if you're wounded, another symptom is you're going to just be inconsistent. I mean, your life's going to be in full swing. Like, like one day you are passionate about God and the next day you're not even sure you know he, that he knows you exist. One day you want to change the world, the next day you're not sure you still want to be in the world. One day you're happy and the next day it seems like happiness has never even came to your address. You're just inconsistent and all over the place. Saul, wounded by rejection, tried everything. He tried substances, he tried success, and it didn't matter if David played a harp or that he hurled a javelin, he could not find consistency in his life. For some of you, it's because it's, it's shown in that you're just inconsolable. Like you're never at peace. You're never settled. There's something in you that can never seem to be happy. You, you've worked and, and you've tried to find happiness in relationships. You've tried to, to, to find it in scrolling. You've tried to find it in, in success. And you just can't find it. And now you've come to the place where you believe this is just the way it's always going to be. I'm always going to feel this way. Other people get to live with joy. Other people get to live with contentment. That's not the lot that I got in life. And it's because you you're haunted by hurt. Now, you see, um, the thing is, is that when you live with this kind of haunting, um, Samuel comes to this place where he, he, or excuse me, Saul comes to this place where he, he's lived with this for so long that he's desperate for relief. And in his desperation, he goes to a witch and has her conjure up Samuel, hoping to find peace in a relationship that's broken. We do the exact same thing. We go digging in graves. It just looks like we dig in text messages, rereading them, trying to see did we misinterpreted a certain emoji. We re go back into our memory banks and relive conversations, thinking maybe there's something we could have said differently. Maybe there's something we could have done differently. We go back to the moment that it happened, the, 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 and, and we try to think, what is it that, that, that could have taken place? Maybe I missed something. We dig in the past, hoping to find peace, but the problem is when you go digging in the past, you don't realize the damage it's doing to the present. For example, the Bible says that um, in order for Saul to go digging in the past, it says he had to change his clothes. Here's what that's a picture of. When you and I go digging in our past looking for healing, it always starts to undo our identity. Did you notice that? It says that he took off his crown and put on common clothes. Do you know why? Because you can't wear the righteousness of Christ and rejection at the same time. The Bible says in 1 first, in first Peter that you are a royal priesthood. But you know what? You can't be a child of God and also be crippled by what someone said years ago. You, you can't walk in authority and insecurity at the exact same time. In order to walk into your rejection, you have to take off the acceptance God's already given you, and it undoes your identity. It also tells us this, though, that every time we go digging into the past, here's what you're going to find, that you're actually participating or partnering with the enemy's plan for your life. Most scholars believe that this was actually not Samuel. They believe that it was an appearance of a dark spirit poisoning as Samuel in order to deceive Saul. So catch this, what he thought was helping 
actually was hurting. Anytime you and I live with rejection, it's an open door for the enemy. You show me someone who's abused, you show me someone who's broken, you show me someone who, who, who's filled with pride trying to cover something that's deep in their heart, and I'll show you somewhere that the enemy's working to gain access to a life. And we can prove it because Saul went hoping to find life, and verse 19 says that the spirit of Samuel, or the spirit appearing as Samuel, looked at him and said, tomorrow you and your sons will join me. He found death. Now, here's the thing. Your rejection's probably not going to, to kill you. It, you. You're not going to be dying because you're rejecting. You've just stopped living because of rejection. You know, I don't talk much about what it's like to be a pastor. You know, it's not something that I, I, I think, you know, people who, I guess I'm in West Virginia, I can say this, people who bellyache about their jobs is not exactly the most attractive thing to me. I think it's an honor to pastor. I mean, the, the fact that I get to preach the gospel is an incredible honor. That I get to do it with some of the most incredible people just means the world to me. And, and, and I just consider it, I, I've got no, no complaints, but I also have to be honest about the reality that if you're going to pastor, you're going to have to figure out what to do with rejection. As a matter of fact, um, I think the first two years of my pastorate, I'm certain that it was the enemy's plan to wound me with rejection so that A, I would either quit, or B, my heart would get so hard I wouldn't be able to minister effectively. I remember one day that I got an email from an elder who, um, who, who said I'd like to set up a meeting. I set up a meeting um, not thinking anything of it. And as we sat down, immediately he, he said, well, Pastor, the reason I've called you here is because um, you no longer meet the needs for me and my family, and we're going to be moving on. And he named some other influential preacher and said, we feel like we're going to go ahead in this direction. Now, at first, I was shocked because I thought this guy was on my team. At second, I was angry because I had done every barbecue and bar mitzvah in his family. <laughs> but third, I was mostly sad because his words confirmed what I already felt in my heart, that I didn't have what it takes. Now, what's interesting is, is he left, but a strange occurrence started happening. He was gone, but he was always present. He was no longer attended our services, but I felt like he had a seat right beside me. We'd be in the middle of baptisms and other people would be celebrating and I'd be thinking about him. We'd be in the middle of, of, of things God was doing, but my mind would be preoccupied with what he said. It's interesting, I could no longer hear his voice, but I never stopped hearing his voice. I was literally being haunted by this hurt. So much that one day I was praying and I felt like the Holy Spirit um, you know, I, I, I was praying, and I, I don't know if this ever happens to you. I, you know, sometimes when I pray, my mind kind of drifts. You know, there, there's like the thing we think we're praying about, and then there's the thing that truly has the occupancy of our soul, and it, your mind drifts that way. And one day I was praying, and all of a sudden, in the, just in this praying, I went from praying over to rehashing that conversation in my office. And, and before long, I was back in that conversation, and I was back thinking about him and everything that he had said and all that it had meant. And then it's like the Holy Spirit just clapped really loud and grabbed my attention, and here's what he said to me. Son, as long as you let that live, it's never going to let you live. That was a shift for me that all of a sudden the Holy Spirit showed me that I was being haunted by something that needed to be healed. And, and, and I know we don't know each other super well, but I, I really did come today. I wish I could have come with a more cheery message. I wish I could have come with something a little bit more faith building. But I just feel like I'm on assignment from the Holy Spirit to come here today because there are some people that you are being haunted by some things that happened in your childhood, haunted by things that have happened at a workplace, haunted by things that, 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 that should have been laid to rest some time ago, but yet they're there in your mind, in your spirit, in your soul, and they're keeping you from inheriting all that God 
God has for you. I know we don't know each other well, but I have great hope today. The same healing that God did in me is the same healing he's going to do in you. That we're going to be some stuff laid to rest today. We're going to have a funeral service for some old wounds. We're going to end up tearing a casket of some things that no longer need to be in our lives. That we're not going to be haunted by things that no longer matter. That you're going to replace that old ghost with the working of the Holy Ghost. And he's going to do a work in you that's deeper than any counselor, deeper than any prescription, deeper than any therapy can ever do. He is going to do a sealing work, a work to where you never go back to that old wound. And instead, it's finally laid to rest. Now, to do that, I, I want to take you on a journey, the way the Holy Spirit heals hearts, and, and I want to do it um, um, in the way that he did, did it for me. And, and so I would encourage you to write these down simply because, simply because at some point in your life, you're going to be rejected again, and you're going to have to heal again. It's just part of the journey. Here's the first thing if you want to heal from, um, if you want to heal in inner pain, if you're here today and this is resonating in any way, the first thing you've got to do is enter God's presence. Uh, one day I was driving down the road and I was in a, in a town. I think I'd been preaching somewhere and, and I, I, I just got this, this, this desire like for chicken. I don't know if that ever happens to you. Like you just want certain, and I wanted chicken. And so, you know, I started looking for God's favorite restaurant, you know, Chick-fil-A, obviously. Um, of course it was a Sunday. So, you know, you can't find a Chick-fil-A on a Sunday. That's the only day I want Chick-fil-A is on a Sunday. And um, so I, I saw another place that, that, that is, is one of their competitors. I mean, now this place advertises itself for chicken. It claims it has the best chicken. If you look at its pictures, its commercials, everything's about chicken. So I pulled in and, and went up, got out of the car, went inside, went to the door. There was a little girl there. She's probably 16 years old. And I said, hey, you know, hey, I, I'd love to, to get something. And she looked at me and said, hey, just before you order, no, we're out of chicken. Like this is, that's all y'all do is chicken. What, what do you mean you're out of chicken? And then she said this, she said, but we do have fish sandwiches. <laughs> Listen, I, have you ever been somewhere where you, you, you showed up expecting it to give you what you wanted? Like you wanted something, you expected something, maybe even you needed something, and you experienced that it didn't have the ability to deliver what you needed? And the reason I bring that up is because culture says we can heal you. If you, if you get enough success, you can find healing. If you have enough sex, we can, you can be healed. If you, you get enough relationships, if you get enough clout, you get enough influence, you can, but they don't have any chicken. There's only one place where your soul can be healed and it's in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I have to get back to the reality that he is the one who has all that we need, that joy is found in his presence, that heaviness is lifted in his presence, that there's no pill or prescription or, or therapy that can do what his presence can do, that for you and I, when we're in his presence, he takes tangled hearts and makes them straight, that he takes heaviness and lifts it, that, it, that he comes in and he takes anger and it dissolves it and he takes apathy and ignites it that you and I have to come back to the reality that we are not flesh and then soul we are spirit soul and then body and it's where our breath came from his breath which means you were made for God you desire God you're God smitten God starved God desiring God starving God thirsty and until you get your soul in his presence it will never be made right we go everywhere else looking for peace when there's only one place to find it that's the reason Saul died instead of starting by going to God's presence he went to the enemy's presence you see Psalm 28 7 says it this way the Lord is my strength and my shield and here's what I want you to see in him my heart trusts did you catch that? In him, my heart trusts. Here's what that means. Without the presence of God, your heart is distrusting of anything that could actually help it. That without the presence of God, your heart will resist what could actually heal it. Without the presence of God, your heart believes it has to heal itself. And it has no capacity to do that. Now, here's the problem. God is omnipresent. That means he's everywhere at the same time. But just because you're in the presence of God doesn't mean you've entered the presence of God. For example, this room's a great example of this today. In worship a few minutes ago, everyone was in the presence of God 
but not everyone had entered the presence of God. See, for some of you, you say, well, I, I, you know, the pre- I love, I'm here for the preaching. I like the preaching. I like, I'm here for the coffee. I like the coffee. I, I'm here. I, you know, I, the worship thing, that's for other people. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, that's how we enter his presence. You say, but yeah, but, but, but I'm just not comfortable with singing. That's not my personality. I'm not comfortable with raising my hand. That's just not who I am. Well, who said it was about making you comfortable? When, when, when did you read that in the statement of faith? Hey, that's why it's called a sacrifice of praise. You know what we're sacrificing? What we'd prefer. Jesus said this about worship. He said, we worship the Lord God four ways. With all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. Do you know how most people worship God? One way, and it's the way they're most comfortable. Some of you desperately need the presence of God. But I sensed in prayer the Holy Spirit say, you're not going to enter it till you sacrifice your comfort and start to worship in a way you've never worshipped before. Hey, some of you need to raise your hands for the first time as a way of signaling, God, I'm desperate for you. Some of you need to let tears flow for the first time as a way for saying, God, I'm broken before you. Some of you need to sing for the first time because your voice activates a signal for the Holy Spirit to access a deep part of your soul that's never been accessed. There is no healing outside of God's presence. There's only coping. Here's the second one. Second one is you have to acknowledge the source. Now, that may seem odd considering that um, we're talking about hurt in such a logical way, but, but, but listen, here's what I know about the human heart. The way we talk about hurt is not, about, is not really the way that hurt works on the inside of us. You, you see, um, the, the best way I could, I could say it is there's such a tangled mess on the inside of us because as human beings, we're survivors. We're, 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 not, we're not people who bring things to resolution. Some of you in this room have been abused, and you've never settled that. But you've survived that. And what that means is you just kept going. You just kept pressing. You just kept moving. But it doesn't mean that it's healed. It's just that you've moved past it. You've shoved it in. You've pushed it down. You've packed on top of it. And, but the thing is, it's still there. It's like this. Um, and, 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 and then we get to a place in life to where we're now angry. And we, can't run. we don't know why we're angry. We're sad and we don't know why we're sad. Because we don't connect that it was something that happened years ago. It's like, it's like in our house, maybe your, your house is like this. I, I don't understand it. We have a washer and we have a dryer. And on top of the dryer is a basket that has nothing but socks that are singles. That's all there is. Now, now, now here's what I do not get. The socks go in in a pair in the washer. Then they're taking out of the washer. And it is no more than four inches from the washer to the dryer. And we put the clothes in the dryer, but somehow in the dryer there is a portal to another dimension or either there is a cruel joke because one of the socks is missing and now the mismatched one has to go in the basket and we have a basket full of socks that are not matched. And at some point over the the course of the year, somebody's going to have to sit down and go, you know, this doesn't match, this doesn't match, and they're going to have to match it up. Otherwise, this this basket just keeps overflowing. That is the heart of so many people that that, that they're going through life and they're they're just watching washing and drying and washing and drying their issues and they don't realize the sock basket's overflowing and at some point you have to sit down and go this hurt matches this emotion this pain matches this anger this difficulty years ago matches what I'm feeling right now because if you don't how can you heal from something you don't even acknowledge how would you do that listen you're not mad You're mad at someone. You're not grieved. You're grieved about something that actually happened. It's not a cloud atmosphere where you just, I'm just always like this. No, you're not. There's a match to what is going on in your emotions. But a lot of us don't want to match it because we don't want to admit they actually hurt us, that they actually affected us. But listen, at some point, you're going to have to match what happened with what you're dealing with 
so that the Holy Spirit, because he can never heal what we continue to hide. Now, now, listen, most of the time, here's how that happens. When we involve someone else in the body of Christ, when we talk to someone else about what we're feeling, um, <laughs> I realize um, that that's not comfortable, but I want to warn you with this. I did a full study of Saul's life, and here's what I found. He did not have a single life-giving relationship. He was at war with every single person that ever entered his life, even his own son. A life without any life-giving relationships is a life that will never enjoy life. That's the way it works. He could never heal because he never had someone to help him acknowledge what he was actually dealing with. Um, Henry Cloud's a psychologist, a Christian psychologist. He tells a story that one day he was leading a therapy, and there was, um, it's a group therapy program, and there was a guy in this group therapy whose name was Jim. Jim was a pastor, and for years, Jim had secretly had a sex addiction. And he had prayed about it, and he had studied about it, and he did everything he could, but he, he couldn't manage it. And he got so desperate, he finally was outed. He got so desperate, he put himself in a treatment facility. Well, attending Dr. Cloud's, um, one of Dr. Cloud's therapy sessions with a group was one of the things that he had to do to complete the session. But he noted that every time Jim came in, he just came in and would sit there. He never talked. He only listened, and he never looked up. He just looked at the floor the entire time. So riddled with shame, so riddled with guilt. One particular morning, uh, Dr. Cloud noticed that Jim's seat was empty, and so he went to the attending nurse and asked where Jim was, and they said he had had a relapse the night before. And said that he was so ashamed that he didn't want to attend therapy that day. So Dr. Cloud went down the hall, went to Jim's room, and said, Jim, you have to attend the therapy today, and I want you to come with me. Jim never looked at him in the eyes, kept his head down the entire time, and walked down the hall, sat in the seat he always sets in, staring at the floor. On that particular day, Dr. Cloud thought, we have to have a breakthrough. And so he began to ask Jim some questions. Really, to be honest with you, he made the whole session about Jim. He said, Jim, you've got to tell your story today. Jim began to tell his story about how it started with pornography, it led to illicit affairs, prostitution. He talked about how ashamed he was that he would stand up and preach knowing what he had done the night before. He talked about how he felt like the biggest hypocrite on the planet and how he couldn't believe that anyone would ever love him for what he had done in deceiving people. He went on for about 20 minutes, and then all of a sudden, Dr. Cloud said, Jim, would you look up? Jim said, I, I can't. I'm so ashamed. He said, Jim, I'm asking you to look up. He said, Jim looked up and saw every single person in that circle looking at him with eyes filled with tears. No judgment. And for the first time ever, Jim experienced the grace he had preached for years. And instead of being condemned, for the first time in his life, he had exposed his full soul and he found compassion. Dr. Cloud said that's the day his addiction broke. Now, he had to walk out some, some, some practices and disciplines, but that's the day that he opened his soul and people looked at it and said, yeah, us too. I don't know a lot of churches, but I know this church. And this is a place that has no perfect people. This is a place where every story has brokenness. And every single history has some hauntings. And that's the reason in this place, I can't, I can't say it for every place, but this place you can look up in all your brokenness and you will find compassion, not condemnation. And it, by the way, when you do, it'll be when it breaks for you as well. Now, here's the third one. You have to then release your pain. 
you know, my, with five kids, we've had every bump and bruise and bang there is. I mean, we've had our first broken wrist this year. Isn't it interesting? I don't know if your kids do this. My kids do this. When they get a boo-boo, as we call them, here's what happens. They, um, they, they, they run to me with, with, with the hurt, and then, though, when I go to touch it, they say, don't touch it. Isn't that interesting? They run to the right place, but they don't want to release it to the person who could actually do something about it. Oh, if that's not a picture of the church. People who come to the right place, but they never truly release the pain. They walk in with it, and then they walk out with it. They, they come broken, but they don't want to let anybody touch it. And here's why. Pain can't be taken. It has to be released. It has to be freely given. And, and it's because pain may be one of the most personal parts of your soul. And so to give it away would mean that you have to have an immense amount of trust for someone. You know, the, the idea of having five kids, the, 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 the topic of a vasectomy has come up many times recently. And, and here's what I can tell you. I had a guy tell me one day, he said, hey, um, I, if you choose to do that, I've got a guy who does them real cheap. What? I am not getting a cheap vasectomy. We're going to the best, the absolute Top of his class, Harvard certified, long track record. There ain't no way I'm getting a cheap vasectomy. <laughs> Listen, I can't take your pain. I'm just not qualified. And neither is a fr any friend of yours or any pastor you'll ever meet. There's only one man who's qualified enough and his name's Jesus. And, and here's why I'm going to give you his qualifications. First of all, it's because he was the most rejected man to ever live. We don't think of Jesus that way, but did you know the moment his earthly father found out he was coming, he chose to leave the relationship? His mother, the best she could do for him was an animal stall. Like his birth wasn't even celebrated. When the king heard of his coming that ruled at the time, he killed everyone in that generation. And then in his adolescence, his, his, the, 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 the teachers he looked up to all rejected him. In Nazareth, he was almost thrown off a cliff. The Greeks rejected him. The Romans rejected him. The Jews rejected him. He, he, he was with a group of people who he fed freely, didn't charge them anything, and they turned from him the moment the food stopped flowing. He, he, he lived with, with 12 men, his best of friends, knowing, looking across at one of them every campfire, knowing one day he'll stab me in the back. He, Peter, his most loyal at times, would still turn his back on him and walk away from him. That, that on the cross, his, at, at a moment I think anybody could have compassion, thieves rejected him. Roman soldiers rejected him, humiliated him, made fun of him. Even on the cross, his heavenly father, Scripture says, turned his back on him. If you want to know about the qualifications of Jesus, if he's educated enough for your pain, he studied in criticism at every level. He traveled abroad in enduring false, uh, false accusations. His undergrad is in betrayal. He minored in discrimination. He majored in injustice. His graduate degree is in humiliation with a specialty in heartbreak. But not only does he know rejection as a whole, he knows your pain. The Bible says he was there for every instance he heard everything said, he watched everything happen, and listen, and collected your tears. You know what I, I sometimes get really frustrated about with God? He won't settle till we're whole. He didn't come to earth so we could be partially healed. Many of us are willing to be partially healed. Jesus is not willing until we're made whole to relent. His hand is steady. He's ready. The only question is, will you trust him enough to get on the table and allow him to perform heart surgery? You say, what does it look like to release your pain? This, this is a simple definition. You stop looking to solve it anywhere else except for Jesus. I refuse to go anywhere else, not to a bottle, not to a person, not to a feeling. I refuse to go anywhere else until Jesus heals it. Here's the last one. 
Now, you would think, well, that's it. Get the piano. That's, that's it. I, I've, I've listened to enough sermons. That's it. No, 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 no. There's one more. And this is, this is the key. Oh, you, you can't miss this one. Most people only release their pain, and then they go out. But they're missing. That's not, that's not all God wants to do is take your pain. Number four, you have to receive God's blessing. See, see um, we, we, you can't just bury the pain. You have to receive the blessing. Because if you, if you only just get rid of the pain, you walk around hollow, and that's not what God intended. You see, you have to receive the blessing. Receive how he feels about you, because if you understand how God feels about you, it doesn't matter what anybody else has said about you. And, and I can prove it all the way back in 1 Samuel chapter 10. The Bible shows us the first day of Saul's life, right? not, not as a child, but as a king. And here's what happens. He comes to a prophet named Samuel, and the Holy Spirit releases a prophetic word over Saul. And here's what the word says. You're going to be different than other people. You're going to be gifted in ways you've never been gifted before. And go and do what's ever in your heart because I am with you. Now, 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 let, let, let me give you the timeline, okay? Saul is day one king. He's never done a thing right, and he's blessed. This is not after he had a 30-day trial. It's not after he did three years. It's not in his performance of review. Before he ever began, God said, I bless you. Saul spent his entire life looking for something he always had. Listen to me. There's only two ways to live this Christian life. Either for approval or from approval. You either know God loves you and has blessed you from the moment you took your breath or you spend your life searching for something you've already gotten. And I know some of you are here today and you say, Pastor, if you knew, if you knew this hurt, what it's caused me to do, who it's caused me to sleep with, what it's caused me to take, if you knew how many mess ups and, and you, you would just know I'm not blessed. I mean, I'm not blessed. There's a guy named Robert. This is somebody will come to the piano. There's a guy named Robert. He's a, a dad of a friend of mine. I love Robert. If you met Robert, you'd love Robert. He's just, he's just friendly and kind, but this, I'm going to tell you the story of why I fell in love with Robert. One day his son was um, in high school and they were playing a doubleheader. And um, they came down towards the end of the first game. His son's team was down by one run, had a guy on, on, uh, on, on uh, third and second, um, and it's down. There are two outs. His son comes up to bat, final at bat, winning runs on second. I mean, th this is everything the movies are made of. His son gets up there. The first pitch is thrown. It's a strike. The second pitch is reared back. It's released. His son takes a big swing and hits a game-winning double. He goes, the, the, the guy crosses the plate, the crowd is going wild, the team is beating on the walls. When he comes to second, they've already grabbed him, they carry him off the field. It is the most epic ending to a movie that you've ever seen. It's incredible, it's wonderful, it's exactly the way everything should end. Second game, they go back and forth, and in an unbelievable occurrence, his son's team comes down to the exact same scenario in the, in the ninth. Guy on third, guy on second, winning run, two outs. His son comes back up to bat. I mean, what are the chances of this happening? Pitcher rares back, throws the first one, strike. Rares back, throws the third one, takes a big swing, fouls it off. Pitcher wears back on the third pitch, releases it. Batter watches it go by thinking it's a ball, only to hear the umpire say, Strike! Ball game! The exact opposite. No crowd, no cheers, no victory, a strikeout. The other team celebrates. The other, his team murmurs, why did he let it walk, go past? Why didn't he swing? Robert's son drops his head, feeling the weight of letting everyone down. And all of a sudden, he hears a familiar voice. That's my boy. That's my boy. 
That one right there, number three, that's my boy. And he looks up in the stands, and there's his dad, Robert, cheering as though he had just won the game. He came down out of the stands, he came and hugged his son, and he said, no strikeout could ever keep you from being my son. Oh, I know some of you are here today and you think I'm so broken, I'm so messed up, I've watched too many pitches go by, there's no way this could be redeemed, and I'm telling you the opposite is true, that on the edge of the balcony of heaven, your heavenly father says, that's my son, that's my son, that's my daughter, yeah, the one going through the divorce, they're mine, the one with the addiction, they're mine, the one with the brokenness, they're mine, the one that had been abused, that one's mine, the one that's so hurting, that one's mine, the one stricken that one's mine there's no disappointment he has for you only celebration you're the apple of his eye not broken but blessed there's nothing no one else or yourself can ever do that would rip his blessing from you all you got to do is receive it all you got to do is release the pain all you got to do is say I, I don't have anything to offer and he says I'll take your pain now take my blessing that's how healing happens I want our prayer teams to come forward. I sense the Spirit of the Lord right now. I want our prayer teams. Hurry, 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 hurry. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Just come here. Line up how you normally line up. Here's what we're going to do. I sensed early this morning the Holy Spirit speak to me. If you're here today and you're haunted by her, sir, ma'am, I'm going to lead you in a prayer for the Holy Spirit, and you're going to release it. And then, when I tell you, I want you to come forward and I want you to receive prayer. You say, well, why can't I just sit in my seat? Because it's not a full work. The full work is you have to receive the blessing. So prayer team, here's what you got to do today. Here's what you got to do. Listen, listen, listen. I'm prayer team. Today, we're not, we're, we're not praying for hurt. We're blessing them. That means the, the, the scriptures in you are going to flow out in a unique way and you're going to pronounce a blessing over them. You're going to represent a voice, the voice of their heavenly father over their life. If you've never been blessed before, if you've never allowed the Holy Spirit to just use someone to say, you're not what you think you are, you're not broken like the way you think, it's going to be life-changing. Now listen, I, I, it's going to take a, little, it's going to take a little, little bit of boldness on your part. All I'm saying is, how healed do you want to be? How healed do you want to be? So right now, if, you, if, 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 if maybe pain is haunting you, would you just bow, everybody bow your heads, but if it's just you, would you just open your hands just as a, as a, a symbol? I'm releasing this to you, God. I'm releasing this to you. That breakup, that divorce, that rejection, that abuse, that, 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 that thing she said, that thing that, that, that he said, that, that, that moment, that firing, that, 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 that awful betrayal, that gossip, that slander. God, whatever it is, I, I just want you right now, just open your hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to come in this room and heal hearts. God, we're so good at having church, but today this is an operating room, not a church. Holy Spirit, I sense you coming to bring a fresh healing to hearts. People who are angry and they're so tired of being angry. People who are, who are, who are, they just wish they were spiritually passionate. That apathy is that people who are never at peace, people who don't sleep well, people who, who there's a memory that comes back every once in a while and they stuff it down. Today is the day. Today is the day. Today is the day. So Holy Spirit, may you access their hearts and may they be healed. Come on, right now with your own, with your own words, I want you to just release your pain. Come on, tell him. God, take, take the pain of this divorce. Take the pain of this addiction. Come on, tell him. You tell him. I, I don't know your pain. I, I couldn't appreciate it. I mean, you're the, you've lived through it. Come on, come on, tell him. Maybe you've never told anyone how you feel about what they said. Just tell, tell Jesus right now. Come on, just tell him. You don't have to be eloquent. You, you don't have to, to use all the right words. He already knows there's just, there's just a, a release that happens as you give it to him. Come on, Father, we just give you our pain right now. We give it to you right now. We give it to you right now. We just say, Holy Spirit, it's yours. It's yours. We don't want to carry it any longer. Yeah, I sense the Holy Spirit. Oh, I, I can sense it. I can see, come on, come on, don't, don't, don't rush it, don't rush it. Come on, it's yours, it's yours. What my dad said to me, what my dad said to me, the way he treated me. 
God, right now, that, 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 that betrayal, oh, it was such a betrayal. Right now, Father, we release it, we release it, we release it. Father, I pray right now that you would heal hearts, heal hearts, heal hearts. You mend the brokenhearted. You mourn with those who mourn. You comfort those who are broken. Oh, the compassion of Jesus. You make people whole. Oh, the compassion of the Lord Jesus. Come on, don't get in a hurry. Don't get in a hurry. Oh, the compassion of Jesus. A husband to the husbandless. A father to the fatherless. A friend that sticks closer than a brother. One who would not turn his face from them. One familiar with pain. Healed, whipped, so they may be healed. Where is a crown of thorns so that we can have peace of mind? That Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Come on, I'm, I'm telling you, God's doing a work right now. I'm not, I'm not going to rush it. Come on, just turn your heart to him. Some of you are telling him things you've never told anybody before. You're acknowledging something that you didn't want to acknowledge walls are coming down right now you're naming people that have hurt you you didn't want to name them but they, that it's hurt you oh yes oh yes Jesus Jesus step out of your seat and I want you to be prepared to come receive prayer. Come on, take your time. Look, keep your heart in this atmosphere of worship. But if today is for you, I want you to step out right now. Come on, can you be bold enough to do that? Step out and come to these prayer teams right now. Step out right now, right now, right now. I see people coming. Come on, come on. God's doing a work. Come on. Don't leave yourself halfway. Maybe there's some couples that need to come together. That's right, that's right. Come on, let's turn our heart to Him. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.